We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello to you, listener. It is Charlotte from True Faith. I have put together a little True Faith Any Questions Best Bits for you to listen to. We record this podcast exclusively for patrons on a bi-monthly basis. Um, It is a super fun show. Hopefully that will come across in the compilation I've just put together for you. Um, If you enjoy it, there's loads more of this and other stuff um, which you can get by subscribing to our patron. We've conceded, this is the question, we've conceded a few late goals this season. Sad face. Uh, But what's your favourite Newcastle goal scored in injury time? Uh, Mickey? Well, I've kind of got three. Um, and and, oh, and two of them came in the same game, so mm-hmm. you have to you have to give a shout out to Bellamy in the Champions League because it you know it's the most remarkable thing that's ever happened in the history of football. But we weren't <laughs> we weren't quite old enough to enjoy it properly. Like if that happened now, would would go out for like four days, and people wouldn't want to go home. It would be brilliant, but um, but it didn't, and we we're too young to be drinking. So disappointingly, we missed out on the the proper like last enjoy of that one. So mine goes to. Uh, Dwight Gale against Norwich scoring twice in injury time to take it from 3-2 to them to 4-3 to us and that, that spurred on our championship season as well but it was just so class like I'd never even seen anyone on the telly score twice in injury time to take it from 3-2 down to 4-3 up it was fucking brilliant people were going absolutely berserk That you know like in the championship it's not the same when you score for Newcastle it's not the same because it's not as important so people don't go as mental and that was like proper proper goal celebration mental um, to a, to a like a, a, almost an excessive extent in the corner. So okay. yeah, that's mine. Excellent. I love excess. So that's music to my <laughs> ears. Um, Adam, what about you? I like how Mickey uh, actually give two answers there, uh, making our task a little bit more difficult. Yeah, sorry, last. <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with a bit more of an old school one, and it was the comeback against Leicester where Shearer. Got his got his hat trick in like deep into injury time. It was the game was gone by about sort of seventy odd minutes when Emil Heskey put Leicester three one up at St James's Park, but then just Shearer smashed a free kick in. He got another one and then he got a one right at the death in injury time to come back and win it four three. It was on Sky. I wasn't actually at the game, but it was. I just remember like just me and my parents just going absolutely crackers in the front room. It was amazing. So Shearer hat trick Leicester. What a bell there. Awesome. What about you, Mark? 
Um, Mickey kind of stole my answer um, of recent no, times. Mickey. I'll probably go. I thought Mickey you would have chose this one. I'm sure you were there. Was it at, at White Hart Lane? Would be Tottenham two one. I was there. Yeah, I forgot. About I that. thought you would have gone for that one. Um, Perez, wasn't it? Um, um, I can't remember which was it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was yeah. a flick on from Mitrovic, yeah. and it was a Perez, improbably from a like a, from a cute angle. You also, Mitro got the equaliser, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we got like battered the first half, and I just expected them to go on and win it easily. And then second half, um, yeah, Mitro and Perez popped up. I yeah. think we're on a bit of a bad run of form as well. We were having we were having a fucking stinking time then, and Tottenham Tottenham were absolutely flying. And for some reason, that a few of the lads would have decided to go down. I can't I can't tell you why. Um, but that that was probably the most mental I've ever gone. I can't believe I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> people like people were falling down the stairs. I was I picked a steward up. I, I, I was shaking her. Picked her up and I was shaking her. She didn't she didn't like it. I would have got chucked out wow. if it wasn't the end of the game. I would have been wow. out. Wow. Well, that was that 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 result was part of a, a really impressive. Like so, we beat Liverpool and we beat Spurs away, and I oh. think those two wins prolonged McLaren's stay at St James's Park for as late as it did yeah. and if you think that as much as that was bad in the short term that he should have probably gone like, a lot earlier had he been sacked before Christmas before Rafa Benitez had been sacked from Real Madrid we would have never got Rafa so yeah. that's a pretty good one mm-hmm. Another question Shall we have a fun one? Let's have a fun one From John Paul Morrow Norman which Newcastle player would you most like to be mates with and why? Absolutely no doubt about it, it will be Salomon Rondon. The reason being that I went to Venezuela in my very early 20s, it was absolutely disgustingly wonderful. Um, and the opportunity to go over there and have Salo as my mate, stay with him and the family in the Venezuelan villa, especially in Caracas at the moment, because Caracas is fucking Caracas at the minute, see what I did there? Um, and just to be over there with him, clubbing, you know what I mean, going out, getting like, just getting off our kites. Given it the big ones, it would just be it would, it would just be amazing. It would be amazing, and that's why I want to be friends with Salomon Rondon because I'd be reliving my hedonistic youth uh, mm-hmm. via that friendship. Also, you just I really like you can look out for yourself, but from my perspective, he'd really like you'd feel quite safe with him, wouldn't you? you? Would. He's you massive. Would. You wouldn't also there's the video there's a video of him, and a lot of footballers do this. I've noticed the way um, white sports socks with. Um, those flip flops that don't have the little bit at the front that the Australians oh, call the thong. Yeah, don't know what they call. That's a called. very big look. Uh, it's a big look, and he does it. And and I've tried to pull it off a couple of times. I just end up looking like a massive twat. But I think <laughs> with him um, doing it with him, I, I feel confident enough to just come out and say, "Look, I'm here, and I'm doing this, and there's nothing you can say is going to stop me." Mm-hmm. So he's, what he's giving you the confidence to explore sartorial. Yeah. New sartorial realms. Just, just, just give me the confidence to go out there and be fabulous. Oh, Norman, you should have that confidence anyway. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Paul, what about you? Who would you want to be mates with? Well, I, Rondon was my answer as well, to be honest. Well, but, you have to uh, pick a new one now because Norman's oh. got Rondon. You Rondon's two are my like friend. Pe- you two are like peas in a pod. I swear to God, you just agree with each other. Let's have some controversy. No, well, me and Norman spoke before we recorded this pod and we said we're just going to agree with each other. Because <laughs> we want to we get, get off so we can uh, watch a call the boss. 
<laughs> but uh, no, I mean Sean Longstaff again. He seems sound, doesn't he? He's oh, doing yeah, stuff for charity true. and all that. Nice and he's just been generally class and that. And he's from Shields. I was born in Shields, and you know, we've got to stick together and that. And uh, I reckon he uh, he'd be canny. Um, I'll probably let him listen to me CDs and stuff. That'd be good. Oh, that's nice of you. Oh, he won't know what one is though. He's so young. Yeah, he'll <laughs> yeah. be like, "What is this relic?" What's his granddad? <laughs> <laughs> I would want to be mates with Dubravka. I absolutely love him. I think he'd be, um, I think he'd be really sound. I think he'd be like, because I don't want to go clubbing or relive my hedonistic youth. I want, I want to like sit and have a meal and drink loads of wine. And I really think that he would, he would be a good partner for that. Yeah, I think you'd get that from Dubravka, but I think, yeah. be, I think it'd be really regimented and organised. Mm. You know, well, I'm quite like, disorganised, so also oh, right, in my yeah. head, I'm fully his wife in this scenario, so... <laughs> <laughs> so it's it'll, like, just be like, it'll just be like, lining you up, like, like, right, wife, you said, yeah, children, you said, yeah, there and there, and you're going to have that, that and that, and just like... Just and, 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 Charlotte, and Charlotte, Charlotte, how dare you choose the cabinet of Sauvignon with this particular meal? You know it's a Merlot, <laughs> you know it ought to be a Merlot. Yeah, I can imagine. He'd be outrageous. He'd be outraged you know, by your own choices. And he'd be right. That's the thing. He'd be right. It should have been a Merlot. <laughs> Not a Cab Sav. What an idiot mistake from me. Um, <laughs> all right. Can any of you recall something superstitious or for luck that you, or, or something daft that you've done that you think genuinely affected a game? Um, his example is Feyenoord 2 NUFC 2. He went on the cliffs in Marsden where he lived and directed positive thoughts in the direction of Holland. <laughs> Craig Bellamy scored the late winner. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> How do you beat that? So, <laughs> yeah, he's that way. I don't think you can. Yeah. I don't think you can. I got, for what it's worth, I know it's not... Um, it's not superstition or whatever yet, but my auntie got me this little tiny, tiny little Gutierrez um, pin, which I wear uh, to games now. And if I forget, I don't think we do very well. I think there's one I've forgotten. We, I, yeah, there's, I, anyway, I think he's my good luck talisman, just having Gutierrez on my... I don't have lapels, but if I did, it would be on that. <laughs> you might as well have your bloody time machine this week, Charlotte. <laughs> I know, yeah. On my lapels. Um, do you have anything that you've ever done that you think has uh, affected a game, Mickey? Well, I walk up the same set, the same uh, stairs at both stages every week, and then when I go up from the like concourse to the ground, I walk up the left hand side for the first half, and then I always skip from my left foot to the right foot in between, and then walk up the right hand side for the second half. And sometimes it works because we win. Okay, sometimes. Um. I can't say I do. Um, the only thing that comes to mind is the Burnley game, last game at home. Um, I couldn't make it. I had like a late meeting, so I did watch in the house. And then I definitely needed the toilet, and I was like, there's nothing happening at the minute. So I went and obviously came back to like winning 1 0 shots, go to Screamer. So, and then. Goal of the men? Second goal I missed as well, because someone came to the door, a neighbour, for a parcel. So oh, What an I absolute think, dick coming to the door and, uh, during the match. I know exactly. So I was the reason Shaw hit that shot as good as he did, and probably going to get gold. I'm going to so. send you parcels. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, when we're playing. So I missed. <laughs> you're missed I wonder what the Royal Mail, Royal Mail delivery charges to arrive at exactly three thirty. <laughs> <on Saturday. laughs> 
I'm sure I'm sure you could do it. I'm sure we could find a a willing postman <laughs> post person. Um, how bothered will he be if John Joe Shelby gets transferred even if we don't get a replacement? Uh, I would be bothered if we didn't get a replacement. I, I know what he's getting at. Shelby hasn't been anywhere near his best this season. He's still our best player, probably, in terms of his ability. And actually, in the last few games, whilst we haven't been winning, when he came on at Man U, he was, he was good. Um, uh, he's... he's you, I'd be I'd be gutted. I would be gutted because Shelby in the last two three seasons has been a, a real standout player for us. And whilst he doesn't score enough goals and he probably doesn't get enough assists for his input, he's still he's still class. I'd be I'd be really annoyed. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, if you're going to just have to rely on Key as our really um, creative player, which Keith done well when he's coming to the side, um, but you've just seen the difference kind of in the, the past few games where he came on against Blackburn he came on against Man U and even when we were on a bad run of form as well he did have a few really really good games I remember Man U away he was brilliant um, but just we, we conceded we already got beat that game so yeah it's it'd be really bad if he goes and we've got nothing in mm. Chris I suppose you're going to give us the complete opposite opinion you couldn't give a shit uh, no, no, I could give quite a large shit. I mean, there's there's a reason. <laughs> there, there is. Anyway, right, I compose myself. Uh, there is a reason why uh, John Joe Shelby uh, hasn't made it at a big club, but yet uh, he is still a very talented uh, and very decent player. I think what Sy says about him being on his day our best player is is pretty kind of uh, yeah, pretty close to the truth. There, I think he is definitely one of our top players, uh, and. I think even if we were to get a replacement, the cost of a player coming in to even match Shelby would be so astronomically high compared to what the club are willing to pay um, that the realistic chances of getting someone of that level is low. So if we were to sell him, I don't think we would get a a replacement that was adequate or on the level. Uh, So for many reasons, I would be gutted if Shelby were to leave. I would also be gutted, but... That's kind of been covered there with the wise. It's our most creative player by far, and um, I think uh, yeah, it'd be terrible. If you became filthy rich and had the chance to buy NUFC, would you do it? And if you did, what would you do first? Secure Rafa's contract, improve the ground, or release cash for transfers? Mickey? Um, yeah, of course I would. Uh, as would anyone, surely. Um, First thing on the agenda would be Rafa's contract. Ten years. Uh, I'd literally give him as much money as he wanted to sign a ten-year deal. Like, I, I wouldn't even care what it was. Could have it all. Um, <laughs> and then the second thing I would do is to make our academy the best in the world. And I'll, mm, I would, mm-hmm. I would link it because you look at look at the players that have come through the academy now. Lots of them go into that academy at maybe younger than sixteen, but from sixteen onwards, they they basically just play footy. So I would link it with like a proper education centre so that there wasn't players dropping out of Newcastle United that were going to struggle after that to get decent jobs um, and then I would over the next 20 years I would just try and and, and use that academy to build a, a team of players that had come through our own youth system and dominate Europe under Rafa mm-hmm. Pretty good Mark what about you? Um, yeah same I think we had a similar question one of them on on the last one um, I think I said just to improve the training facilities 
um, mm-hmm. cause they need improving massively. Um, and just try and like, I don't know if you ever seen a documentary of Man City, they've got like out of this world, uh, training facilities and like try and get something mm-hmm. on the, on the basis of that really. And yeah. then just, or better, exactly better. And mm. yeah, just give Rafa money, secure a contract. Mm-hmm. I would, I would buy it. I would give. I think my priority would be Rafa in securing that contract. The academy is really good uh, point, and I've written an article about Sean Longstaff for the next fanzine, um, sort of hopefully getting across the how important I think that the academy is or should be to a club, um, especially when you see talent like him. Obviously, he's out for a bit now with his cruciate, but. Um, but it's yeah, I think it's really important. I also I think, and I'm not trying to be lazy as the owner of NUFC, but I think that I would um, def- set, put, put quite a lot of power in, you know, supporters' hands, like be at the trust or something like that, because I don't think I w- would be great a great leader. <laughs> so I think it would be better to at least confer with um, with supporters like that yeah i totally agree i would um, and i also would employ like the best chief executive in the world at any at, mm-hmm. at anything and i would just treat it as an expensive season ticket um because I, I clearly wouldn't be capable of that i'd also make sure that i spent at least a few million pounds on a giant blimp in the shape of jabba the hurt with mike ash's <laughs> head and just tour the world with it <laughs> amazing like the just um, with the word, the word prick Maybe as a separate blimp. In fact, I'd have three blimps. <laughs> Jabba the hook with Ashley's head. You're going to block out the sun from Newcastle? <laughs> <laughs> I have the word prick and then an arrow pointing at Jabba, Jabba the Ashley head. Well, that's a good use of your money. I'm, I'm thinking filthy rich that I'm a billionaire here, by the way, so we could afford the blimps. Um, okay. What are the three positions we need to strengthen this summer? And I'm going to come to you, Michael. I think we need to, we need to be bringing in a centre midfielder. I'm assuming that there's going to be people going out in that department, but I think regardless, that's kind of the the position where we don't have a kind of superstar at the minute. Not that we have any superstars, but if I was going to pick one position where we were not weakest, that's not fair, but because it's so critical to the team... A, a, like a really significant upgrade on our centre midfield would have ramifications around the whole team and squad and the way we play and everything. So I think centre midfield would be would be one of them. I'd like to see us bring in a fullback, ideally one that could play on both sides, although they are few and far between. David Sanon did it and was at Newcastle and was hounded out by the worst manager in the history of world football um, for no good reason. But um, I think a fullback would be important for us as well and would be. Uh, everyone's fucking desperate for one on to stay and I'm desperate for one mm-hmm. on to stay but if I did a little video with Dodds during the week and I don't think he's going um, which is fucking stupid and literally would only happen at Newcastle United or any team in the Premier League anyone else that had Rondon and was able to buy him and, and knew that he wanted to come for £16.5 million pounds would, would buy him 100% of the time but Newcastle aren't going to do it so we're going to have to buy a striker we did mention that on the preview, though, that, like, you know, keeping Rondon's only going to keep us sort of where we are rather than rather than moving us up. What do you think about that? I think that's wrong, personally. Um, I think um, wrong we, we strengthen... Rondon. Stre- 
<laughs> nice. You've redeemed yourself for the twirls answer. Um, I, I think that's wrong. I think we I think we strengthen other areas of the team, and Rondon becomes increasingly potent, so to speak. If we get the ball to him more, then he, he can achieve more. But it, he he is the perfect striker to fit in our system at the minute, and the the utility of our wide players and Yedlin getting down the wing, getting the balls in the box. Uh, Rondon's perfect to have there, and I said to, I said to Dodds. We couldn't buy a striker that has equivalent ability to Rondon for twice as much money as we could get him for. It's impossible. So for me, it's it's an absolute no-brainer to buy Rondon. And we should be looking to buy someone else as well. That's like a proper football team, a properly run football club. We'd be looking to have another striker that could actually fucking play football. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Like, like this, the, the situation is we're either going to buy Rondon at the last minute, hopefully that fucking happens, or we're going to buy someone else probably for less money than we were going to buy Rondon for and they'll not hit the ground running and we'll struggle at the start of next season yet again it'll be the same fucking problems really we should be buying two so I'd actually I'd like to change my answer Centre midfield can wait but we should buy two fucking strikers okay and one I of them should be Rondon I would take two strikers and one of them should be Rondon Adam what do you think do you disagree is there anything you'd add to that I think Mickey's bang on when he says we need uh, two strikers and hopefully one of them will be Rondon um, I think the, still got right, the main four positions that I think we need to strengthen is um, I think we need a, a proper uh, defensive midfielder. Um, Hayden's almost certainly going to be leaving the club and we've never really replaced. I think we need that kind of um, that kind of Teoti player who's just mm. the ultimate protector. Like Diame isn't that kind of player. I think Diame is more... He does a bit of that, and I think he's great, and he, and, he, and he runs around, and he harries. But I think, again, he is getting into his twilight years, and he he does like to sort of roam forward when he does when he does play, for example. But I think we need a proper, proper defensive midfielder that we've been lacking for many years. I think the full-back question definitely needs to be answered. Whether Richie and Dummett is going to be enough, I don't know what's going on with Bereka. It doesn't look like we're going to be buying him permanently, given what's happened. Um, strikers obviously but then if you you know you could also argue we need another Perez Almiron because without we don't we, we aren't really playing with wingers at the minute so we need people who can play that 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 sort of like forward Muto is why is he not even getting a shout I'm not too sure mm-hmm. so I'd, 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 if we had to pick three it would be another striker a defensive midfielder like a proper tackler destroyer and a left back yeah, let's I just think... let's just face reality though. Adam, there's there's literally no way in <laughs> hell we're buying another like number ten style player when we've just bought twenty million army run. Do you guys ever daydream, not nightdream, but daydream, of being an NUFC player? If so, what does the dream comprise of? Simon, well, do I, you? I, I misread this question because I thought you meant nightdream because I do still get the nightdreams where I play for Newcastle, <laughs> so I'm going to roll with that. Um, you know those dreams where you, you're trying to run and you can't run very fast and you're trying to like I get those about playing for Newcastle all the time and I'm trying to run on the ball to put to score and for some reason I just can't get there and I I fluff it every time I don't know what so that says about my uh, mental state but yeah sounds yeah. more of a nightmare I know it is a nightmare but um, yeah no I still I still have those childish dreams of uh, playing oh, playing hey, for Newcastle also I interpreted it as not night dream so don't you know it could be a night dream your answer is valid thank you Alex 
Yeah, I, I can't say that I, I dream of being a Newcastle United um, footballer. Injury has robbed me of that chance and only injury. <laughs> uh, nothing else. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously when I was younger, you know, it was everyone's dream, wasn't it? Uh, me and podcast member Green Street Cowley would, uh, you know, enact different footballer celebrations after I often scored against him regularly uh, in our one-on-one games that we used to have, <laughs> uh, being a far superior footballer, both as a child and a, a grown-up. Um, so yeah, I, I can't say that I do um, daydream about playing for Newcastle, but uh, I do daydream about Newcastle United being a properly run and constituted football club that operates with transparency so that they're my dreams. Uh, what's the most important goal you reckon you've seen Newcastle score? Um, there's probably two. I can't really split them. Um, for similar reasons, I guess. So I think Richie's against Manu. We've said a number of times that basically kept us in the league um, last season. Um, and I dread to think where the club would be had we not have scored that goal last season. Um, probably rotten at the bottom of the championship, to be honest. Mm. Um, Rotting. But equally, in well, you're looking like that. I mean. Raffet wouldn't have stayed, and then God knows. Who I, just, I just think would have stayed yeah, up well, anyway. I, I agree with you to an extent like that it was massive, but I think I think we were playing really well before that game. Um, yeah, but yeah. But yeah, and then uh, the other one is um, from from the season before. So um, Dwight Gale's winner in the last minute against Norwich in that four three famous four three. I just think that was the goal that kick started our domination in that sort of recovery after we'd had a. a Shaky start. We'd lost obviously the first two games. Um, I think we then got on to beat Reading at home. I think after that, um, but it was still that was. Was it not? Yeah. Who was it? We went. Correct, we went on uh, a ten-game winning streak. You're right. It kick-started a ten-game, but Reading was in August before that. No, who was it? Who was the third game of the season? though third game of the season was uh, Brighton. We beat, we beat Reading. Reading, Brighton. Reading, but Norwich was September. September tenth, four-one, wasn't it? Yeah. But um, but yeah, the the Norwich one. I just think that was a massive game because I mean Newcastle and Norwich were two of the the teams tipped to 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 go back up. I mean Norwich obviously famously uh, absolutely collapsed after that, and I think. That that goal just absolutely killed their season, but it propelled ours on as well. And um, as, as Alex just said, then we went on a ridiculous run after that and really gathered some pace. And I think um, it was a a, a a difficult time just because I think obviously every, the expectation was so much of the the team at the time. We'd, we'd um, obviously we had some players in there that shouldn't have been playing at that level, um, but we'd had a bit of a, a shaky start, and 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 that the confidence we got from that and the buzz, and it got all the the, the fans behind the team and everything. It was massive uh, in terms of sort of helping us get promoted. Because again, if we hadn't got promoted that season, yeah. who knows where we'd be now? What's your scariest away day experience? Blackburn away, two thousand. When was the first year of university? Two thousand and seven, Sai. Was well, it 2008? Joe Canillo was in charge. We got beat 3 0. Jose Enrique and Joe Barton had a fight. That wasn't the scary bit, although it wasn't the best. Um, pissed down with rain, 8,000 Newcastle fans. Sigh on the train there. Someone took drugs, I think, off his arm yeah. next to us. I don't know if you remember that. Um, off my arm? Was, not, no, off his arm. <laughs> I was going to say. Do you remember this, you remember this yeah, train yeah, in Blackburn yeah, okay, from the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absolute, like, post apocalyptic nightmare <laughs> scenes, the characters that, that you got on right. this train. Um, anyway, I was standing in the turnstile, getting at the game, and a, and a guy comes next to me, clearly been taken some of the old drugs himself, and he'd be, he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna drugs. stab you." And I went, "All right, okay." And 
He said, no, you think I'm joking. I'm going to stab you. And he went, Where, where's your blonde-haired mate? And I thought, all oh, right, here we go. Because my blonde-haired mate called Andrew Thompson just <laughs> has a career, particularly at that time, of offending people grossly. Um, and I was immediately realized who this guy was. And against Little Strom at home in the Intertoto Cup the previous summer, um, we had been at the back of the corner, like all 17 years old, all pissed. Um, and we were singing like, you know, singing the library. Our supporters fucking shit. Just being dickheads. Like, I, I will say it now on Simon. You'll have been there with me. We were being dickheads. Um, yeah. We were stupid. We thought we were smart and funny. We weren't. Uh, we used to take our tops off and stupid things like that at games. We were just stupid, and I, I don't mind admitting it now. And that's why I, like, I try and give some of the young lads, like, cut them a bit of slack. Because um, we were like that at one stage, and we just liked Very drinking good. alcohol and going to watch Newcastle play and getting pissed. And that's what we did as teenagers. Um, and these lads at that game also in the corner took great exception to us singing, like, you know, singing in the corner, like, our supporters fucking shit. But being dicks, they took it really personally, and, like, they didn't have yeah. to. So much so, I'd forgotten all about this, of course. And I'm standing in the queue, and this guy says, "I'm going to stab you because of this incident." And I was just like, "Stabbing seems I was like, like a I completely went, I went disproportionate." Um, Lancashire police out, and they were like, "Well, how, how serious do you think he is?" And I was like, "Well, I don't want to take the chance. You know, I could say he's not serious, <laughs> but like, I haven't, I haven't frisked him for a knife." Um, yeah. About twenty percent, officer. But, but I was, so I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty scared. Because um, he did look like his eyes were looking in different directions, and I was like, his, his lip was going all over the place, and I was like, I don't want to take the chance. And I basically spent the rest of that game like with one like looking over my shoulder, thinking, Am I going to get stabbed? Um, funny story, well, or not? To to like on on the top of this, Sai, you remember Oceana in Leeds? It's called something else now. I was in the bar in Oceana, and 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 a guy he came over to me again. I was at the bar, and he goes, I'm going to stab you, and I was like, Fucking hell, twice in a week, and he went. He went, you punched my mate on Saturday lunchtime. And I was like, no, mate, on Saturday lunchtime, I was in Blackburn, also threatening to be stabbed for no reason. So you've got the wrong person. Please leave me alone. <laughs> Fortunately, they're the only two stabbing incidents. Well, I, I don't, and I, did, he, did he say, oh, I'm so sorry? No, he said, buy me a drink. I was like, right. <laughs> yeah, so I went. Did you? I went, no, I got the barman over. I said, this guy's mad. And the barman thought, I was like, oh, here is he? You know, like as a, as a joke, like, right, buddy, my yeah. I was like, no, he's mad. Please, please. Please uh, call security, and they did. When Rafa was at Liverpool, he made the squad share rooms with players who played the same position, so they could talk tactics for away trips. Such a such such a Rafa thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> with the current squad in mind, who would make the best slash worst roommates by this system, and why? So I'm going to split this up. One of you is going to take best ones. One of you is going to take worst ones. Mm. Um, and I'm Paul. You're having yeah. best. You're Which having one the best I? ones. Which one am I having? Oh my Worst. god! You're having. Who's going to be the best ones? Who's the best one? All oh, right. Yeah. I think mine, mine could uh, sort of fall in either category because uh, I'm going to go with Richie and Almiron. Um, <laughs> just imagine, imagine the room, right? Like Richie's just in there. He's just putting things in drawers, and you know, just you know, getting himself settled and that. And Almiron's just like the roadrunner going round the room and that and just flipping, knocking everything around. And Richie's just getting more and more angry by like the, the, the second and that. And he's just getting, oh, he's getting riled. And you know that face he pulls when he's being subbed? It's just like... Oh, just swearing. Just, just yeah, silently just, swearing under his breath. I think it would just be causing ructions and he end up trying to chase Almiron round the, this little room and that. And I think uh, he's not going to catch him because he's just too quick. And then uh, Richie, you can just imagine him just being absolutely sick of himself and that, and like 
and just wanting to settle down and go to bed and that. And Almiron's like a little kid and that, like wanting to get his iPad out and that, and just like, <laughs> just, I don't know, play rap music and yeah. shit. And just like. Playing elastic bands, just flicking elastic uh, bands off the just, wall and stuff. You, you get him in the bed, I know, you'll find something just to throw. He'll just, like, just be pulling like toys and all <laughs> yeah, the rest of it, yeah. just out of his bed and just like, it'll be unreal. So, like, that could be like a, it's like the worst, but it's also hilarious. So it's it's sort of. It's mm-hmm. sort of worse and best. Uh, it's bad it like, though because they're both they're tiring themselves out before a game. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, Gaza used to play flipping tennis at half o'clock in the morning at Italian ninety, so all the best players do it. So I'm not sure. Yeah, his sort of lifestyle choices probably aren't probably aren't the ones to base <laughs> this on. Quite any young, any aspiring athlete, young athlete to look up to. Mm. <laughs> Norman, who would be the worst? Uh, who would be the worst roommates out of our current squad? We see I completely misinterpreted the question and thought who would I think would be my worst roommate if I was in, in, the, in that situation? And well, who let's would be the best? that then. Well, I went for worst as Richie. I went for worst as Richie. Um, surprisingly, Paul, very similar answer to you. But it's because <laughs> the thing is, right, like, the worst must be Richie because like, if you played poorly, right, there's like every chance. Like, you'd, you'd wake at four in the morning and he'd just be there staring at you like nailed on <laughs> nailed on you know what I mean just looking really angry maybe maybe a pipe you know what I mean I can imagine Richie just stood there with a pipe puffing away on a pipe nailed on he, just looking very fucked off at you at four in the morning he'd be in the corner and you'd just see the pipe light up uh, yeah, in the, the dark the smoke going up <laughs> yeah. not, even, not, even, not even standing up like on a little kind of rocking chair <laughs> naked that's what I reckon would happen <laughs> and then so be over. And, all, and also right he'd go absolutely fucking nuts like Imagine like, he goes in the bathroom after you've brushed your teeth, right? And there's like, you know when you get that kind of splatter from brushing your teeth on the mirror? Uh-huh. And Richie walks in and you forgot to wipe it. You know oh, what I mean? No. You imagine already's face would be fucking fuming, wouldn't he be fuming? <laughs> but he wouldn't say anything? Like, you wouldn't say anything about it, right? He'd just come in and you'd, you'd be like, oh, night, Matt, night. And he'd be like, yep, yeah, night, right. And then he'd fall, <laughs> oh, and you'd fall asleep straight away. But he'd just be lying there for hours and then the same thing would happen. Four o'clock in the morning, rocking chair, pipe, <laughs> no clothes on, looking at you. That's all I'm I saying. just don't know why he's nude in this scenario. <laughs> I, I think he'd be wearing like a nightcap, like a wee willy winky, like hat on his head to sleep in. Just a hat as well. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not nude other than that. I just think a man, a man with so much anger, like to me, just suggests that he, when he's at home, he's just constantly nude. Because he's just so angry and red that and clothes are just a nuisance. With clothes. clothes are a nuisance. Why are you on yeah. me? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think, okay. what, what is this bullshit? And then, Norman, I'm going to ask you if you can think of who would be bad in the squad to share together. Can you think on the spot? Can you do it, Norman? Um, on the spot, I mean, I can imagine that um, Yedlin would annoy the shit out of Richie. Um, it's because... just Matt Richie, isn't it? And it's in a short temper. <laughs> Actually, no, I've, got, I've, got, I've got one. I reckon Yedlin and Shea. Like, Shea is so perfectly put together. It looks like he kind of irons his underpants, like irons them and puts them in the drawer, you know what I mean? Mm, okay. Um, whereas Yedlin... Yedlin's just like if you've seen the seen the photos on Instagram I mean he is like just fucking he is full on urban wear isn't he he does not give a fuck he mm. is a he's, a he's completely flamboyant utterly artistic and I just think Shea would be like I'm Swiss I'm functional this shit's fucking me right off you know what I mean so him and Yedlin would clash in that same vein then I think Cher and Lejeune would be great together yeah yeah they'd ain't each other's pants as oh the words they'd be so yeah. clean Lejeune yeah. is so clean. Lejeune would be one of my ones who I'd want to be my be my friend actually, because he was like a banker. Then he was what? Yeah, sorry. Can you can you just speaking of Lejeune and that and clothes and stuff? Can you remember the shell suit jacket he signed for Newcastle then? <laughs> no, no, but I want it already. I want it. I haven't <laughs> seen it. 
when it, when he was announced, it was just like a picture of him in, in Gossie Hotel or whatever, and it's just like he's just in this in front of this table as as you are, but he's got this absolutely horrendous like purple mesh flipping shell suit jacket on, and it's just like I think uh, it almost put like the move in in the uh, in the balance because it was that terrible. But um, but I just it's think a power about move. The, well, well, potentially, yeah. You well, I've got a scenario. Cut out of it, like, but uh, I've got, I've got a scene that you've just mentioned, Lejeune and Cher, Cher in a room. Then I've just, just conjured up this image of. Um, Get it out, Norman. I can imagine, like, so let's say, like, Cher goes in the bathroom, closes the door, and uh, you know he has, he has a stand up, he has a stand up way, not a sit down <laughs> way. He has a stand up, and like as soon as he's done it, like he doesn't hit the seat, he doesn't even hit the floor because he's, he's just, just years of training. You know what I mean? I'm hitting the ball, <laughs> but right, he's still. He still gets a little bit of soap on tissue and wipes it on the toilet bowl on the floor, right? Flushes the chin. Then he, like, washes his hands. Washes his hands, but then he gets in the shower after he's washed his hands, by the way. Mm-hmm. Has a shower, right? And then he comes out of the shower and he basically he pulls the hair out, like, a little bit to help the plug hole, puts in the bin, wipes the bath, walks out, and as he walks out, Lejeune walks in, and basically they just kind of look at each other and nod. There's no thanks, it's just like this, yep, yeah, I know what you just did there. And mm-hmm. I know that's what, and you know that's what I'd do because, for you because it's what he would do. Yeah, yeah. And it's just pure respect. They don't even need to talk to each other. It's just, it's just this fucking rela- this relationship that works like absolute clockwork, and it's beautiful. You know what? I would watch that as like a reality show. Me, me too. <laughs> I am right now. That's how I'm picturing it. To be fair, like. <laughs> something to think about. Something to which I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a lot of thought. Worst and funniest songs you've heard at a match, home or away. So I, I'm taking it as like worst and or funniest because I think at the moment there's some really awful songs going doing the rounds. Mickey, do you? Yeah, I've got. I'll go, go first. Um, where have I written my notes? So. Oh, he's made notes, isn't that nice? On my first away game as a kind of old enough teenager to drink when I went with my dad, I was 14, but shouldn't have been drinking, but like people <laughs> on the bus were, went on, um, was it Swifties? It was Swifties or Toon Travel, which like back in the day was just like like insane on the bus. People were like sniffing coke off anything they could find, like oh my God. drinking an obscene amount. So the lads on the bus, I think I was the only kid. I don't, know, I don't really know how I got on, but... Um, people thought I was a bit of a novelty on the bus so they were just like giving us loads of cans and my dad probably should have said no but, um, but he's like class but anyway I did I did um, Rem- Mickey reminds me of the bit where uh, where Bart goes to Moe's and they make him do the teddy bears picnic on the bar <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was basically it um, and actually, we haven't had any Simpsons questions so we're just going to shoehorn those references in. <laughs> my answer to this kindly links it in another links in another question but I'll tell you about that when we come to it anyway the, the two my two favourite songs of that trip were um, one of them's pretty disgusting so they emptied the toilet of the bus in the car park you know you stop off for those of you that haven't got the bus to an away game which is a terrible experience by the way <laughs> just before you arrive at the destination city the bus stops at like a lay-by or services so you, and you take all the drink off because you're not supposed to drink on the bus and they also emptied the toilet which kind of just Won't like cry. it's like a tap basically beside the beside the side door of the bus and this bloke fell in the piss which was disgusting so everyone was singing at him there's only one pissy elbow because he had piss all over his elbow <laughs> which as a 14 year old like was just the funniest thing I'd ever heard in my life um, and there was like a good 200 people there a couple of buses um, and then on the same trip we arrived at uh, the Argo pub which is close to Anfield for anyone that's not been there it's a crack and crack and pub uh, I don't think the Lightweight fans in anymore and it, it gets way too busy but back in the day it was brilliant um, 
and it was the period where everyone had just started singing Choose After Feel of the Tune, which was still funny and a novelty and, and quite hilarious. Oh, and this yeah. bloke, just out of nowhere, tune fan bloke, stood up on a table and like slowly but surely removed his fake leg and held his leg up in the air and just sang legs off if you love the tune brilliant again as a 14 year old I was just like is this, is this what it's always like like this is the best thing I've ever done <laughs> hashtag limbs um, it, was, it was outstanding and then the worst song at away games isn't one that's sang by us it's just the worst football song in the history of, uh, of football and it's anyone that sings we're by far the greatest team that the world has ever oh, seen. Oh, good shout. Good shout, Disgusting. Mickey. That's awful. That. Anyone that sings it, it's any awful. fan in any club that sing that song should be immediately banned from professional football forever. But but only a handful of clubs could ever sing that with any sort of conviction. When you hear it from, you know when I mean? you hear it from Villa, when they, they, like, <laughs> they've got 12,000 oh at a home God. game and, and 200 of them are singing, we're by far the greatest team the world's ever seen in a championship. Fuck off, Villa. We're still haters, by the way, if anyone's listening. It's, yeah, it's worse. Case, it's, you, you didn't hear the venom in Mickey's voice there. He really doesn't like Villa. No, I, I was going to say, it's, 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 it's worse because it's, it, it's not true. And uh, B, it's so generic, it's just not unique. Everyone's like, loads of clubs sing it, so where's, what's the point? If, Bar- if Barcelona managed to pull that one out and sing it in, in English, then I'd be like, well, fair enough. I, you probably are. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll, we'll give you it. Uh, one, of my, one of my most hated chants of recent years was uh, when uh, we had Johan Kabay and it was the very, very, it was the resigned defeatist, um, don't sell Kabay, Johan Kabay. Like, and it's just like, well, why, mm. why, why are we even talking about selling him? That's just going to perpetuate the, the, the notion more. Like, just stop singing it. And it just, uh, you're going to have a riot in your hands. And guess what? No fucking riot, was there? We just picked up 20 million and got on with it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just it's the attitude of it just horribly defeatist like why are you talking about selling I'm not talking about selling them why are you talking about selling them why are you singing about it stop it I t- I just a waste of time I totally disagree with you I, I really like that song that, that came about it. and it's that came about Bruce. breaky heart as well Bruce, Bruce, yeah. 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 we first um, we first heard it Carly I don't know if you remember we first heard it in this like really long tunnel because it made everyone yes. it made everyone walk back from the ground yeah. it was like five miles and this bloke was singing it like a canny bit behind us in this huge tunnel and it was so loud and then every, all the Toon fans were walking through it at this point and everyone started singing it and it was just like the noise was incredible so that's why I like that song I've got a really like like sad sort of prison camp image of everybody walking in like twos through a tunnel there was some, tra- there was like some trudging going on like, you know they didn't, they, they didn't do anything for like disabled supporters or anything everyone, everyone had to walk so pe- people really that bad. people that weren't like weren't particularly mobile really struggled with that, and uh, there was lots of fans at the end. So of like our legless. Pro- I didn't upset. walk. Did Me and Sean got a lift off some old woman and a husband <laughs> in, in a Renault Clio. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. That's, that, that could almost be an entire podcast in itself. It, it that story, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we thought like, we we. Looked, what did you do? Well, we were like we didn't realize everyone left, and we were still in the square. And we're like, shit, let's get some cans and like run it. But people were like, nah, too far. So we kept asking like locals there. And this woman who, thankfully, she speaks English, she went, yeah, I'm getting picked up from your husband. I'll ask him. And she went, and she came around and he's like, Renault Cleo. And then me and Sean got in the back of the back of the car and she took us to the ground. Was, so, it like a tr- was it like a trailer and you were sort of like eating watermelons in the back with a pig? That's exactly what happened, yeah. <laughs> it's another very, it's what, another like, very really tenuous like, Simpsons like, reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's going to be more. But with, with that... I remember... Sorry. 
Um, you know with with the song, um, if you should bring it up. Um, I like this. Remember that guy in the takeaway, Mickey? Yeah. Was it? Don't steal me chips. <laughs> don't steal me chips. <laughs> me lovely, lovely, lovely chips. chips. <laughs> I just don't think you'll understand. So yeah, he's a drunk so guy, like mortal. just eating these like, chips. So, and, like, so mortal. So, like I twelve o'clock class. <laughs> yeah. That's I me. mean, that's how I feel when I have carbohydrates with me. So <laughs> I love that. Really speaks to me on a personal level. I've forgotten about him, Carly. What a guy! Like, yeah, what a great thing. guy. <laughs> Which Simpsons character would Newcastle's cut runs be if they were personified? Uh, I think for me, uh, it would be Hans Molman uh, mm. because you root for him. And yet, every time you know it's not going to end well for him. Inevitable disappointment. Mine's in the same vein. It was going to be Bumblebee Man. Every time he makes an appearance, just the same, the same joke, and you know it's going to happen. And I think there's one, there's one episode where uh, I think Ken Brockman has to go somewhere, so he, he comes in to take the news, and you think, oh, Bumblebee Man's going to like get a serious job, and then like within seconds he's doing the same gag again. I'm going with Lenny because remember when Lenny's because. When they see him, when they <laughs> they go to visit a, a house, and then the front falls off, and he's just in his underwear, <laughs> eating like a tin of beans, and he's like, "Please don't tell anyone how I live." I feel like it's like, "Yeah, we're gonna do it. And we're a big, strong house," and then it's just broken and in its underwear. What's your favorite ever moment at a match? It's an absolutely massively broad Ooh. question, so. I guess it doesn't have to be your favourite ever, ever, ever moment, but something that's made you really happy at a match. It's probably a toss-up between, like, Ryan Taylor going that free kick at Sunderland away, um, where we were right behind the goal. I think to fourth turn, I beat the DM light, and you just seen the ball come over the wall. You're like, it's just cross going, it's got, like, gone in, like, unbelievable. So that's, that's one moment. The other one, I'm picking that probably CCA's goal at Benfica away. Like it was such a good moment, like being there, like in in that stadium at that time. Like I think probably we not expect getting a goal away is always good, but to be there and just the celebrations were just unbelievable. And that's we took a lead as well. A very early goal, it was like a tenth minute or something like that. Um, so yeah, just that whole trip was unbelievable. But that just moment, just kind of. If I could go back to that time and wish we could say we could go on and win that game afterwards, but yeah, them them two moments, I guess. Oh, there's, there's, there's too many to choose from. Um, Pick one now, go. I've talked well. I've talked about this one too many times as my best away game, so I'll not do the Cisse goal at Chelsea, which I witnessed firsthand, which is the greatest mm. away moment um, at St James's Park. There's two. So um, Titus Bramble being sent off at the end of the five-one uh, Halloween. <laughs> 2010 game was pretty pretty high but that second place to uh, the TO Day equaliser against um, Arsenal uh, a couple of years oh, yeah, later that, that was great. 100% the most ridiculous ridiculous moment I've ever been at a home game um, I started off about 20 rows behind where I ended up when celebrating <laughs> that goal I, I almost came from level 7 into the, the normal bowl of the stadium it was that mental um, we were, the we were actually Arsenal fans as well. Yeah, we it's just like that was so good.
that is all for now thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed it um consider subscribing to our patreon you can ask those very questions that we'd be answering on a twice monthly basis and uh, and many many more so thank you very much
it doesn't look like well famous last words but it doesn't look like we need to worry too much about it especially given he's injured no one's really sniffing around at the moment um anyway um okay this is my favorite question from sam jenkins on twitter um which simpsons character would newcastle's cup runs be if they were personified Yes, Chris, go. Sorry, I forgot to ask one of you, but no, I'm no, into. that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I think for me, uh, it would be Hans Molman uh, mm-hmm. because you root for him, and yet every time you know it's not going to end well for him. Inevitable disappointment. Um, yeah, Hans Molman. Well, that is what Sam says to two minds. Simon. Great minds. Amazing. Great minds. Yeah, yeah. I've got mine, but Simon, you go. Mine's in the same vein. It was going to be Bumblebee Man. Every time he makes an appearance, just the same, the same joke, and you know it's going to happen. And I think there's one, there's one episode where uh, I think Ken Brockman has to go somewhere, so he, he comes in to take the news, and you think, "Oh, Bumblebee Man's going to like get a serious job," and then like within seconds, he's doing the same gag again. That's basically Newcastle in the cup for the last eleven years. Gag. Okay, Mark. Um, I'll go for a simpler one Bart Simpson as he always gets grade F's on his report and that's pretty much us in the FA Cup third or fourth round so yeah I'll go for that one I'm going with Lenny because remember when Lenny's because when they see him when they (laughs) they go to visit a, a house and then the front falls off and he's just in his underwear <laughs> eating like a tin of beans and he's like, please don't tell anyone how I live. <laughs> I feel like it's like, yeah, we're going to do it and we're a big, strong house and then it's just broken and in its underwear. <laughs> so, eating beans. Yeah, yeah, that's... I, so I'm going Lenny for that reason. Thank you, Sam. That's, Great I question. love that question so much. Um, all right. All right, um, back to the serious, gritty stuff now. Um, (laughs) From Johnny Henderson, Simon, this one's for you, because I forgot to ask someone last time. Will the vocal minority of Newcastle fans calling for Rafa's head feel vindicated next season when Leslie Sparky Hughes is unveiled as our new manager? (laughs) Great great reference to Leslie there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the, the the sad thing is probably probably um, these people just just want to be right. So if that's what right is to them, they will never admit that it's actually way way worse. So if Leslie Hughes did end up in charge of Newcastle, I think they'd all be like, "Yeah, I told you, he's, he's better than Rafa." And we're talking about a massively small vocal minority of people who just probably want a British manager. Probably just want like. A bloke who will, I don't know. I don't even know what they want. They don't know what they want. This is the thing. They don't know what they want. They've just decided they want rid of Rafa. So when Mark Hughes, they would feel themselves like like a victory when the rest of the footballing world would be laughing at us and them. Fair enough, Chris. Anything to add to that? Uh, no, I mean, never underestimate the stupidity of, of those people with a contrarian streak. And as, as Sai says, you know, I don't think those people will ever be happy. Um, and yeah, what you say about having a, you know, the desire, misplaced desire, I think in my mind for having a British manager, uh, yeah, is oh, what is that ridiculous. literally the argument? That that is an argument for some, yeah. Good. I think so. Yeah. 
Embarrassing. Um, anything to add, Mark? Um, I think they'll be gutted when Alan Kerbishy gets appointed and Mark Hughes is available, but didn't get the job. <laughs> so. Okay, I'm going to move us on. Um, all right, well, let's talk ta- like something a bit more tactical. Um, all right. Chris, you go first on this one. Um, mm-hmm. If and when Shelby is back, why not try him as the number 10 with Big Mo and Key and Longstaff at midfield? Uh, I think it's a... Yeah, it's an argument there. Uh, I think there is a kind of... The challenge with Shelby would be his kind of tendency, his default tendency to drop deeper. And I think for that reason, it would take quite a lot of kind of training to, to shift him from a more defensive player to offensive. Um, I mean, that said, what other options really do we have? So if you're going experimental, maybe. Mm. Yeah, wh- why not? But I mean, I think in terms of the stakes being kind of too high, we've, you know, Rafa is a risk-averse manager. I can't really see it, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a hypothetical, isn't it? Simon, what do you think? Do you think that could work? Uh, no, I think there's lots of reasons not to put Shelby in a, in a number 10 position. Uh, one, he's not fast enough. You need to be able to cover mm. some ground at number 10, and Shelby isn't one for... For, you know, covering the most yards on a, on a football pitch. Um, I also think he can't shoot, so it'd be no use having him that far of the pitch. He, he's, he's, he's creative, he's brilliant at passing, he can pass the ball 40 yards. He could probably pass the ball 40 yards better than he can pass at 10 yards, and he can't shoot, he has lots of shots and never scores, so I don't think he'd be any more used to us further up the pitch than, than where we normally play him. To be fair, Si, no, Nolan never mind couldn't run fast, he couldn't run. <laughs> he didn't he didn't know the right job there, to be fair. So He was really uh, good nah. at just staying in the box though, even if even if the other team were in our half, he was in their box ready to score goals. Yeah, I think what Chris said before about Shelby's tendency just he wanted to come deep every time. Um and he just wouldn't stick to his position. So mm. I just it could never could see him play the number ten. And I think as well there's like I mean, if you're thinking about it, Longstaff is only just getting a start with this team and um, to start sort of playing him around and, and me- like moving him around and playing him with Key, who's not even been there, let's just give him a chance before he like starts starts moving him around. I like you say, it's never going to happen anyway because um, Rafa's quite risk-averse. Um, and really... Substitute of this. It's a real thing at the moment. I keep noticing. I probably not. Is that, get, is that getting your goat? It's getting my goat. Just Sorry, I just wanted to say that phrase. Sub, use some subs. Um, but anyway, it's fine. Um, okay, this one's from someone called Alex Hurst, a um, long, long-time listener of the show, I believe. But um, I, I, so I don't think any of us have met him. Um, What's the latest you've ever been for a game and why? Now this, I have to say, if you've not listened to our FA Cup third round replay uh, <laughs> match day, um, Alex, Mickey and... Was it Paul was with them? Yeah. Um, were um, half an hour late <laughs> and missed two of our four goals. Um, why, why were they late, Charlotte? Oh, thanks for asking, Chris. Um, they were late because Mickey, I believe, wanted to go to Harrogate on the way to Blackburn to get a Five Guys burger. 
which is like £16 for a burger and chips and not on the way. So, and then they got, and then, yeah, so that, and then they got stuck behind a learner driver and who was going like 10 miles an hour. And there was, was Hans Molman. It was probably Hans Molman. And, um, and probably, you know, a myriad of other, re- other reasons, but um, one of the, one of the worst match day pods, I think, that we've, we've put out there, given that a good portion of the match wasn't on it. Um, Simon, what's the latest you've ever been for a game and why? Uh, I probably don't know the, the exacts of this because I've been very late for quite a few games for various reasons, none of which were Alex's or Burger related, but um, <laughs> I missed... Uh, I went to the, the last time in the championships, and no, the, the previous time in the championship. I went to Birmingham away on a on a weeknight for a game that had been rescheduled because of weather or something, um, and missed both goals when we beat them two 0 Got there about fifty minutes late because Birmingham is just stupid for for traffic and the roads are ridiculous. And then uh, because I didn't have a pint before the game, I, I got two at half time, and then missed the start of the second half. And we scored literally <laughs> like the first minute of the second half. So travelled all the way to Birmingham for a two nil win and saw saw no football really. Um, <laughs> but then uh, last season, um, a few of us went out. I can't remember what the occasion was. The night before the Man United game um, in February, uh, roughly roughly then, I don't know what the occasion was. We'd all gone for a Chinese which quickly descended into a Cozy Joe's karaoke night that ended about um, <laughs> half four in the morning. Um, what a night it was. It was a brilliant night, Carly. Um, I, I lost my phone. Um, no, no, wait, that was... In fact, it no. wasn't me that time, was it? Uh, Rachel lost the Rachel, phone. Rachel, yeah, your, your girlfriend lost yeah. her phone. And we didn't leave till about four in the morning. Um, and we were up for a Sunday game, which I'm assuming it was a 1.30 because of how rough I can remember being... And um, I remember being ready to leave the house at about half one and the game had kicked off and I was in the car and I had to stop at McDonald's and get some food before I could travel any further. So I live... So it is burger related. Well, sort of, but uh, I think it was a, a, a fillet of fish or some chicken nuggets or something. Um, a fillet of fish? Oh, not, no one gets those. Not big on a McDonald's burger. So... Um, yeah, I, I live next to the Silverlink and had to stop at Silverlink for, for a burger or, or whatever the hell I got. Um, which meant that I didn't get to the game until about 40 minutes in. So that's probably the latest I've been uh, and missed the first 40 minutes of probably our best result last season. Yeah, that was class. At least you've seen the goal. Okay. Did see the goal. You did see the goal. You caught yeah. the goal. Well, that's good. Chris, what about you? Uh, my, I only, I, I'm really a stickler for kind of turning off on time because I'm a boring fucker. Uh, hey, no, we- no, you're a dedicated <laughs> fan. Well, quite, thank you. Uh, I, we went to Watford last season, and I remember uh, in the kind of haze of booze, uh, turning up and seeing the first goal go in, uh, we conceded. Um, but that was only kind of two or three minutes in, uh, which is not what you want to be seeing. Uh, I think that was because we went to Wellerspoons and uh, were really stupid and didn't all have the Wellerspoons app, which is very convenient for making sure that you get uh, served quickly. We're not sponsored by that app. We're not. Yet. You know. Pro tip, though. It is really good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the latest I've ever been. What we missed a goal, didn't we? Yeah, I think it was Pereira scored early. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the latest I've ever been. It was a hundred percent because we were drinking mm-hmm. and just didn't leave in time. Not a very exciting story. I'll give you no, that. No, no burgers no. either. Um, I think it would have been uh, Spurs away. Sai, you were there. Oh, the League Cup. Me, you, and Dodsey. Um, League Cup, yeah. 
Um, oh, slightly Alex related. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we uh, didn't get in about twenty-five minutes, thirty minutes. That wasn't anyone's fault, though, was it? Apart from Alex. No, we just. Lifted. Um, Is it, it just getting there? I think I was late for speed as no, well. That's it. It was just someone set a flare off or something in the turn in the turn dial, and actually the turn dial themselves is only a couple open. So yeah. we got in. It was one nil. Um, Jack Anik, I think, conceded a really shite goal. And then we actually left. One of the only times we left like early on the seventieth minute. So well, we must have seen like. 40, 45 minutes of football and we got before nil. So. Like, yeah, we missed at least half an hour at the start and yeah there was a problem in the turnstiles we were there on time but we didn't get in for a good half an hour but we might have also been slightly late because Alex got yanked off the train by uh, the traffic police for, for, for <laughs> bashing the top of the train to start a Newcastle song and he, he got was yanked off by the yeah, throat to and then he just, uh, <laughs> just got choked off before he could sit United it was, it was Dodgy's fault kind of well he might have delayed the train a little bit, so sounds we'll blame, like we'll blame him. Yeah, sounds like it was his fault. Um, I like that question. I like the stupid things that we do. <laughs> um, okay, from David Graham. Is alcohol consumption of true faith folk higher during the good times or the bad times of NUFC? Let's class the good times as having won a couple of games. Mark, what do you think? Um, I think a bit of both. The good times is when, like, at the start of the season, the early in the season, or late in the season, when even if we win or lose, you go to like the old George afterwards when it's a sunny day, um, and it's a decent time kick off. It's three o'clock on a Saturday, or even if it's like a bit early on a Sunday, decent. But this season, I was thinking, um, the most drunk I've been after two of the games have been Palace come back on the coach, and then Fulham. Afterwards, so mm. we both got something in common. Them games, uh, both awful nil nil. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just. But it's also yeah. like quite a big day out, isn't it? Yeah. So well, just sort of like keep going. Palace you, Simon? I mean, yeah, Palace away, as documented on on our YouTube video, was probably the most alcohol I've consumed in a twenty two hour period in and around a football match, but. I would I would say generally speaking, I think we we drink and enjoy it more when when we're winning matches and everyone wants to stay out and there's a bit of an atmosphere. The amount of times yeah. now that I just get into town for like two o'clock and go to the game and then go home again, it's it's sad really. I used to enjoy going out and, and making a day of it, but when you go and the football's bad and we get maybe beat you're 1-0, just old now. No, it's not. Definitely not old. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a hundred percent the the, um, the the bad times effect. Um, it's definitely nothing to do with me being 30 and the fact that it's a bit cold in the winter and I don't fancy being outside. Um, so, yeah. You know that pubs have indoor spaces now as well. <laughs> yeah, and they have outdoor heating, so there's no excuse at all, is there? Um, no, I, I, I think I think that's what David's getting at and I, I think we definitely have a bit more of a party atmosphere about us if we were, if we were any good at football. Yeah, I'd probably agree. Like... It is, it's the staying out after, I think, that like, makes it more boozy. Like, if we won and we're all just really happy. 100%. Chris? Uh, so, I live in London, so most of the games I go to, uh, I tend to go with Norman. Uh, <laughs> and so it's kind of like, uh, like if you were in the Himalayas and pointing at two mountains, so, like, Mount Everest and the next highest one, and say, which one is the higher mountain? Well, mm. they're both astronomically high. Uh, but not much in it but yeah I think what you say about I think 
when we lose it's sad drinking afterwards maybe not quite as much but still too much mm. um, but yeah so thank you Norman thanks Norman generally thank you um, okay from Gary Laverty I hope I've said that right if Richard Keyes handed himself in for questioning to the true faith team A who would you send in as good cop and bad cop and B, what would you ask him? Mark, who would you send in as good cop, bad cop? Um, good cop, bad cop. Yeah, good question. Um, bad cop, probably Norman. Good cop. Oh, a, uh, who would I put in as good cop? Maybe it's Adam. Oh, yeah. I think he would be more reasonable trying to get his answers, whereas Norman would just drill him. Yeah, maybe you're right. No one would be very horrible from the beginning. So I think um, Alex would be a good bad cop because he'd just be really disappointed and angry with <laughs> the way that you'd conducted yourself, Richard Keys. So uh, that would hit, that would hit me where it hits the, the disappointment in Alex's <laughs> face. Um, I don't know who the good cop would yeah I guess it would have to be Adam what do you think Simon um, yeah good cop how, how could anyone be good cop with Richard Keyes you just end up with two bad cops no matter who you put in with them because I can't see how you could be reasonable with that guy um, I, I think Alex and Norman as, as, as kind of a double bad cop situation would, would work but I think Alex could pretend to be the good cop before then yeah, just send Alex on his own I think he'd be pretty good at doing both Simultaneously, okay. just Alex and um, Chris. What do you think? Uh, I would pick uh, good cop. I would pick Mike from Prempata. Oh, of course. I think he could. Mm. I think he could really get inside his head. And of course, bad, bad cop. It's going to be Norman. Uh, and what I'd ask him, um, I'd write. I'd ask him if uh, he could actually write his own name because I don't believe he can because he's that fucking stupid. Wow. Would you make him write his own name with his monkey hands? I'll just get it on video. Watch how hilarious that would be. I think I'd, yeah, it would need filming. Um, what would you ask him, Mark? I would ask him to do a short list of who he could, uh, who Rafa can buy out of his own money. And I would, try to, I would try to get him to work out how much Rafa's got from all his time he's been in football. He can barely count to three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let him work out that and then see who we can drop a short list see if we can get another hostel fair enough anything you'd want to ask him Simon yeah um, using only your fingers what is three plus four he might not get there that'd be fun he might not might, might not um, I think I'd just go in for the like who hurt you why are you so <laughs> awful what happened tell us we can make it better um and then, like, Alex would, like, slap him across the face. Um, okay. Um, okay, from Paul Evans. Uh, seeing that the fat one's... Vir- fat one, for spoiler alert, it's Mike Ashley. Seeing that the fat one's virtual money's, like, share values are going down the toilet, why would he want to sell the only asset that makes him millions of... Uh, oh, this... Do I have to... Millions of lovely, jubbly reddies each year. (laughs) (laughs) That does not feel natural. Um, What will it take 
in our opinions, to mobilise the masses to do the right thing. Chris? That was quite a question. That's, that was quite a question, and more than one question. Uh, mm. So why would he want to sell it? Because uh, he's bored. Um, but, yeah, he's been bored for quite a while, so why hasn't he sold it? I don't know. Uh, what will it take to get him to sell it? Um legal means I don't know don't do anything bad I, I have no idea I, I'm so I'm so done with with the conversation around Mike Ashley uh, sorry you're on the wrong pod yeah. cast team um, what about you Simon what do you think yeah I think the, the answer to the second half of the question like Chris I, I think we've all run out of ways to talk about how the masses could be mobilised to make them do the right thing I, I don't think I don't think that power is with the masses. I think it's it's with one guy and the other side of the table, someone stumming up the kind of money that he's willing to take. Because uh, I don't think he necessarily wants to shell the club. Shell? He does want to shell the club into the fucking ground. He wants to shell it. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think he's that arsed either way. I think he'd happily just, just hang on and if we get relegated, he's not that arsed. And I just don't think it bothers him that much. Um, he could probably do without the the, uh, the hassle at the minute because he gets a lot of shit for it and I think it does bother him because you can see when he comes on TV and does these weird interviews and even some of the footage of uh, the London Magpie group going and, and, and pestering it, it clearly bothers him but he's not going to none of that's going to make him do anything that he doesn't want to do so unless he gets his £400 million crazy offer and still has some sort of hand in it one way or another on merchandising or sports direct or whatever um which none of us have any control over um, so it's a, it's a really negative answer to the question but I genuinely think that's where we're at okay fair enough if, does anyone else have anything to add to that I have nothing to add just an agreement yeah. of what they said really yeah it is just like ugh, that's how I feel yeah, about it that's a good yeah. noise mm. um, alright um, from John Paul Moreau if a new owner, or by some miracle, the current one, were to ask for true face support, for example, regular contact with those running the club, with you representing the supporters, how would you feel about it, and what would it take for you to withdraw that support? Chris? I think, uh, and I would obviously hope that it was the former, the new mm. owner, rather than the current owner, because I think too many bridges have been burnt there. Uh, and and I, I think with the new owner coming in, some kind of liaison with... Uh, fan groups and kind of fan outlets such as True Faith, you know, I think it has to has to take place because of um, I think any new owner coming in would hopefully see the mistakes the current regime have made and therefore want to engage with uh, fan groups. So yeah, I mean, I I for one for what it is worth um, would be see that as a positive. As to what it would take to withdraw that support, um, I mean, it's a tough ask because. The situation at the moment is so dire, and yet you know we are to a degree still. Well, we are still supporting the club, if definitely not the regime. Uh, it would take some pretty kind of pretty drastic and dire, um, you know, shithousery on the part of any new ownership to kind of lose support, given how low the current regime stock is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's again hypothetical, but yeah. Fair enough, Simon. Um, yeah, it, it totally depends on the circumstances. Even if the current order, order, if the current owner asked for true faith support and continued to behave as he does, he wouldn't get it. There's just no chance. And, and if a new owner came in and behaved 
in a similar way to Mike Ashley, which we all know is is, is a sad possibility. Um, yeah, I don't think we would change in our stance on the whole thing. So um, regular contact, uh, if it was positive contact, and it was, if we, were, <laughs> I'm not saying for any minute they should, but if they were asking us for for kind of pointers on how to run the club better, then we'd we'd, we'd welcome it. But um, yeah, uh, we're probably not the right people to speak to on that. We just want a, yeah. a football club that we can get behind. Yeah, that's probably fair, Mark. Anything? Um, Anything Mark? Yeah, I mean, if it was a new one, it'd be a lot easier to kind of represent the fan because I'm sure it'll be so much positive if the owner did the right things and invest and etc. Like that, um, and it would just be so much easier to do that. But with the current owner and we have to do that, it's, it's quite difficult in terms of the, the whole atmosphere and the whole a lot of different groups and opinions at the moment as a as a one really where you've got the voice so. Yeah, it it would be hard in this if it's the same same owner, but it'd be a lot different if it's a new owner, really. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it would be interesting to get involved and help, sort of, you know, be a conduit between supporters and and the actual club. But yeah, like as we've said, there's absolutely no way that would ever happen with the current situation. Um, but I think it would be fun. Um, I think it would be fun. Cool analysis from me. Um, all right, I'm going to head over to Twitter now, where D White has gone mad with mad with four questions. Is this Dwight Gale? Is he bored at West Brom and is messaging us? Almost certainly, yes. Um, Simon is the best thing Rio Ferdinand could do to make it up. Bring his boots to St James's Park on Saturday. Oh man, I never rated Rio as a player, so absolutely not. I hope he stays well clear of that possible idea. Um, <laughs> I think I think Ferdinand was bang average. Jonathan Woodgate was the much much better defender to come out of that Leeds team. Uh, a bit harsh. <laughs> Go on then, Well, I thought he's as much as a dick he is. He's he's I thought he's a really good footballer. Um, one of the best probably defenders who's he's played in the Premier League really. Um, Done very well at done well at my United. So yeah, when he wasn't failing um, drugs tests. <laughs> oh, if he wasn't failing drug tests, but nah, he was he was a good ball playing defender. Sorry, uh, sorry, missing drugs tests. He never actually failed yeah. it because he didn't take it. He didn't take it. He didn't. Um, but we don't need. We wouldn't need him even if he's prime now. When we got Lejeune, Shaw, Fernandez, ourselves wouldn't get in the team, man. Mm-hmm. Chris. I think as frustrating as Rio Ferdinand's comments are, and they are very, very frustrating, I think I would kind of, putting aside for a second the whole kind of putting his boots on thing, what I would say is that outside the context of how he views and talks about Newcastle United, he has he has a more positive side as well. Uh, so I'm going to kind of defend him slightly here. Um, so like the, his work with community groups, I mean, particularly in London, like is, is really amazing. Uh, fantastic Uh, and also what he's done for kind of grassroots football and lower league football around for example Dulwich Hamlet has been kind of really uh, you know a fantastic thing to see which I guess kind of accents and makes all of his comments at the moment more uh, disappointing and also jarring because he seems to have some weird grudge um, which seems to be out of character compared to the kind of somewhat more positive side of his personality. And Charlotte, you don't look too impressed by that comment. No, he doesn't have a weird grudge. He's just in Mike Ashley's pocket. 
and and he's just a bit of a he's just being a bit annoying about it and he's and and also it's got him you know talked about hasn't it that's what it is like it just got him traction on twitter everyone's talking about it we're talking about it yeah, the, still Mike Ashley's bestie the, the biggest the most annoying part of the, the, the comments at the weekend were, weren't so much that he said it because we all know he's a bit dim you know he's not he's not a bright fella and we can forgive him that you don't have to be a clever bloke to be involved in football or even to talk about football you can talk you can analyse a game of football without being particularly smart but I mean we are walking talking examples yeah, of that 100% um, but it was, it was how passionate he got about the misinformation he was trying to get across. So it wasn't just that he was saying stuff that was wildly inaccurate. It was how passionate he got about it. He got so, I don't know what, he got so worked up about it and was so keen and and wanted to um, kind of argue with Jay Humphries, who was pinging fact after fact at him. And it was just, that's what annoyed everyone. It was the fact that he he, he definitely, there was was an agenda there. He'd been put up to it and he was, he's clearly, either via Mike Ashley or other means being told go on uh, say say this and that and have a bit of a go it just for me it was unforgivable to get that passionate about something that wasn't really anything to do with him and it's made it so obvious what his position was so I lost all respect for even though I hadn't had him to begin with because he's not a very good footballer <laughs> but I just yeah he's a, he, he's, a, he's a dick a massive massive dick so no I would not want him even in his prime anywhere near the Newcastle United first team Alright, well that seems quite concise. I'll move on to another one of D. White, possibly, unconfirmed Dwight Gale. Um, if Rafa's leaving and we are fucked forever, forever. Baby um, shambles. Quite upsetting. Oh yeah. Maybe, I didn't know Dwight Gale was such an indie, an early noughties indie fan, but he is. Um, how can we convince him to accept relegation and just go for it in the FA Cup? Chris? Uh, I don't think Rafa will accept relegation until it is mathematically secure, by which time we'll be long out of the FA Cup. I can't see, uh, in the current circumstances, him prioritising it, unfortunately. Done. Well, that's not... The question is, how can we convince him? But I don't think he's convincible. Well, not with that attitude, <laughs> Mark. So how can we convince? If what are we like fucked forever? Do you say? Yeah. Right. Well, how can we convince him to basically just be like, "Fuck this! Let's just do the FA Cup and win it." Um, if if mathematically po- that we're relegated, and then we've got the FA Cup still to go for, we may as well go for it. Everyone's getting a bit mathematical. We've got to, we've got like, to convince him to get mathematically like relegated before the training ground. <laughs> We've got to convince what? him to get mathematically relegated before presumably about about the fifth round of the cup to make sure we, we take it seriously from that point on. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I see what you're getting at. There's not really a way to answer that question in terms of how would we convince him. I think Rafa is in the same boat. He probably knows it's this is his last hurrah, but he, he's too stubborn to let to want to have a relegation, another one on his CV so he won't ever sacrifice our league position entirely for the cup that's not to say he won't still try with what resources or what little resource he has to have a cup run because I think he'd love to win a trophy and not be that you know I think he could win a trophy also be relegated and still walk away with his head held high Um, and we'd all love him for it and I think he would happily kind of make that his parting gift knowing as, as the question suggests that would be absolutely fucked from then on but it would be a nice way to finish so um, 
it's probably one of the many many possibilities because we know how meticulous Rafa is that he's, he's planning for that we might get ourselves in a worse position in the league but still have a bit of a cup run and so um, you know if it came to it in an FA Cup semi-final situation where we've got um, a league game in the same week that could be make or break if we're in the in the semi-finals of a cup I don't think you'd write it off so I think if we if we can get through this Watford game um, you'll take it seriously because you don't get to the fifth round of the FA Cup very often you just you yeah, just hoping as well it's, it's just an easy tie um, a championship or a, a league one game because we we've had difficult even though we've been terrible in a cup we have have actually difficult fixtures and we've normally played big teams early on so we haven't never had a really good cup run really so um, and also what I, I read I was reading the other day just in terms of like the betting and it's pretty grim reading where we are at the minute and saying like we're like 66 to 1 to win the FA Cup the same odds as like Derby and then you've got like Brighton who are like 33 to 1 you're like how did it come to that man like mm. but show, show Rafa that those odds that might be the way to convince him to take it seriously <laughs> or take a load of money on it quartet to sing him those odds I really feel like I would be persuaded of anything if someone sent a barbershop quartet to sing the, that to me the options anyway the thing is if Rafa puts a lot of money on us win it so he puts a million and then he's got a load of money if win wins it got a load of money to spend so any any hackers any hackers out there amongst our patrons if you can just get into Rafa's online banking and stick all his money on uh, the FA Cup you'll have no choice but to prioritise that <laughs> don't, don't do that that's the patrons. way to persuade him yeah don't do that that's a terrible idea um, okay uh, we've got time for a couple more and then we're going to wrap things up um, from jo- at Geordie Warris um, on Twitter at what point do we get so pissed off we sack NUFCF and set up a new club e.g. FC United of Newcastle Mark uh, when do we do that maybe it's from next season to be fair <laughs> <laughs> we're relegated Rafa's gone why not then and, that seems fair and Mike Ashley's still here good a time as ever isn't it what would you call it what would I call it oh I've you can Let think me have a think. I'll have a think about that one. Think. You put us Simon, in the spot. What do you think? At what point do we get to? Yeah, I think this this season is the is the crunch point for most. So, um, at whatever point we get confirmed as relegated, or at whatever point Rafa's employment with Newcastle ends, will, will be the tipping point for me. Uh, I mean, non-league football is not very good. I, I think I'd just find something else to do with my Saturdays. Go and watch like I don't know tennis or something. <laughs> Okay. Get really into movies. You could get really into movies. Tennis. Can't get us drunk. I don't know. You ever played tennis? Tennis came out. Yeah. Of nowhere. You ever played tennis, I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you want a match? Great. Gonna... Chris? I'll give you a game of badminton. <laughs> um, I, th- I think you know this season at the end of it is going to be a big kind of uh, test and you know. Uh, reappraisal moment for everyone I think to echo what Sai says I think rather than um, from a position of kind of still being really kind of in love with football and wanting kind of to start over and Phoenix from the ashes and all that I think what I worry about and is perhaps worse is that that apathy and just like well Saturday 3pm I'm just going to go and do something else and I think unfortunately for many of us you know if the situation were to get that bad and you know God forbid 
um, you know, we get relegated and it's all super fucked at the end of the season. I think mm. that it is unfortunately in Newcastle's situation with the frankly abuse that the support has uh, had over the last kind of 10, 11 years. I think that apathy and just kind of a slow slipping away is unfortunately the more realistic outcome, uh, which is an incredibly depressing thing to say on a Friday night. Um, but here we are. Well, people might not be listening on a Friday night, so that's, it might be depressing on a Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> okay, I I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up with a question from Mickey, which I think is a good question to end on because it's a happy question, and it is, what's your favourite ever moment at a match? It's an absolutely massively broad Ooh. question, so I guess it doesn't have to be your favourite ever 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 moment. But something that's made you really happy at a match. Mark, you can go first. Oh, there's a few, few moments. Um, it's probably a toss-up between, like, Ryan Taylor going that free kick at Sunland away. Because um, we were right behind the goal. I think to fourth turn, I'd be at DM Light. And you just seen the ball come over the wall. You're like, it's, it's cross. Going, it's got, like, going in, like, unbelievable. So that's, that's one moment. The other one. Oh, picking up probably CC's goal at Benfica away like it was such a good moment like being there like in in that stadium at that time like I think probably we wouldn't expect it getting the goal away is always good but to be there and just the celebrations were just unbelievable and that's we took the lead as well a very early goal it was like a 10th minute or something like that um, so yeah just that whole trip was unbelievable but that just moment just kind of if I could go back to that time and wish we could say we could go on and win that game afterwards but yeah them them two moments I guess they're happy they're very happy moments Chris what about you? Uh, being on the pitch uh, in Plymouth uh, after we got promoted and won the title from the championship the first time was pretty special and also because from what uh from what Carly says just then that kind of rose tinted uh early relatively early uh days of Ashley's era where you know we thought it might turn around and there was a more positive future um, mm. maybe not under Ashley I mean it wasn't the context of that but uh it was a kind of like a fresh start kind of moment uh and it was a, a beautiful thing a lovely warm evening and Simon oh, there's, there's, there's too many to choose from um, pick one now go I've, talk, I, well, I've talked about this one too many times as my best away game so I'll not do the Cissé goal at Chelsea which I witnessed firsthand, which is the greatest mm-hmm. away moment um, at St James's Park there's two so um, Titus Bramble being sent off at the end of the 5-1 uh, <laughs> Halloween 2010 game was pretty pretty high but that's second place to uh, the Tio de Equaliser against um, Arsenal uh, a couple of years oh, yeah, later that was great. 100% the most ridiculous ridiculous moment I've ever been at a home game um, I started off about 20 rows behind where I ended up when celebrating <laughs> that goal I, I almost came from level 7 into the, the normal bowl of the stadium it was that mental um, 100% we were, the we best were the Arsenal fans as well yeah it we just, were like that was so good yeah 100% the best I think moment. like I'm going to say something a bit controversial. It's not. But um, scoring now, like, that, those moments are just so good. <laughs> they're, they're so rare. And it means so much. It was like, 
I remember, well, at, um, even at um, Chelsea on the weekend, Bolland was with his friend Chido, who was part of the match day video, if you watch that. Um, and um, and Chido ended up, like, three rows in front of where we had started as well. Like, And he's a Spurs fan. Like, It's just like that. the whole atmosphere is just, it's just class. Um, I was there for the 4-4, which I've spoken about loads on Exile, so I won't go on and on about it, but that was unbelievable. Um, that was so good. I couldn't, um, I couldn't breathe. My dad bear-hugging me. Um, yeah, oh, there, there are a lot, aren't there? You're right, though. We don't win many games at the moment, and we don't score many goals, so when we do now, it's every single one's a massive moment. It's I so totally good, appreciate that. yeah. It's huge, and it could mean so much more than like if Chelsea won like sure whatever Chelsea were always going to win but if we we scored and then it's like oh, oh god if we get this like this will be fucking massive so that's my feeling anyway uh, I think that's all we have time for I'm actually pretty sure we got through most of the questions there but if we didn't tweet us angry abuse and next time we'll do it um, not too angry though because I'm a very sensitive flower um, alright delicate's what I meant to say sensitive flowers aren't things um, and um, and yeah thank you so much for subscribing we love making this content we're very grateful that you do and um, do be sure to tweet us at TFNUFC and we will speak to you next time we do one thank you cheers guys whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.